We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I'm the publisher of BearReport.com. Here today with Aaron Lemming, one day away from the start of Bears 2017 rookie minicamp. Are you as excited as I am? I uh, I think so, man. I, I whew, man, it's it's going to be fun. I mean, I know a lot of people aren't overly uh, amped up about this draft class, but uh, and I'm sure you're going to say the same thing, but man, Mitch Trubisky. I mean, what what uh, the Bears of Bears fans have never really had that that franchise guy, especially drafted guy. So I I, I won't lie, I'm going to be glued to your uh, glued to your Twitter and glued to my phone the whole entire week and hoping to get some updates from you. Yeah, it's uh it's exciting to have an opportunity to go out and see the potential franchise quarterback for the first time out on the field, and and we'll get to we'll get to Trubisky, we'll get to rookie minicamp, and all that. Uh, we're excited to, to to see over the next three days, which are going to be pretty revealing on a lot of different levels. But uh, first, let's talk. Let's go back. Let's talk about a, a flurry of uh, activity, uh, roster moves that the Bears made this week. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll go all the way back. I think the first one was uh, a player that we had discussed last week, who the Bears let leave Hallis Hall, Jay Howard, the defensive lineman, who uh, they ultimately signed a few days after the podcast. Your thoughts? <clears throat> Yeah, well, first, uh, take back what I said, Ryan Pace. Uh, I was a little uh, irritated last week about why you let him leave, but uh, turns out it was a pretty uh, pretty good move because he ended up signing for, I think, his, his base and what he's going to be making just to start off the season will be 775000 uh, and I think the cap hit for that uh, due to whatever, I still don't quite understand that's going to be 615,000. Uh, so he's going to have, I think it was right around $3.25 million in incentives, which you probably won't reach all those. So you're looking at 
let's just say worst case scenario. I mean, this is a $4 million defensive lineman that you get for a year with very little commitment. Um, and if somehow he isn't healthy, which I would assume he is, if he, if he has a bad camp, then it's somebody that you don't have to actually, you know, stick with and it's going to cost you a ton of money. So I think it's a big move. Uh, I, I think when you look at, I mean, you got Akeem Hicks and then you have, uh, uh Eddie Goldman and they've been kind of looking for that, that other guy. And I, I think it's big on a few different levels. One, because obviously it's going to help death. I would assume that he's going to start the year. I mean, this is somebody who has, I would say, I, I don't know if you could really call it a ceiling at this point in time. I'm going to call it a ceiling, but I'd say he has a pretty comparable ceiling to Akeem Hicks, probably not as good as a pass rusher, but very strong against the run. You actually did a really nice film breakdown on him and why Bears fans should be excited because they had a really rough uh, run defense last year. So I, I think on that level, it's nice. Uh, it doesn't. It, it allows them not to rush, uh, rush Jonathan Bullard and also allows them not to have to count too much on him. And another thing, too, is, I mean, uh, Akeem Hicks is going into the last year of his deal. So, I mean, this is something that's it's almost kind of insurance. You know, let's say both of these guys have good years, uh, good chance you're probably not going to be able to re-sign both. They'll have the money to do it. But this is the Bears we're talking about. So you at least leave yourself with one guy uh, to be able to re-sign. Um, so I, I, overall, I just think it's 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 a pretty pretty good movie the way you cut it. Yeah, it t- he's only 28 years old, 6'3", 301 pounds, <clears throat> had... Uh, four years of experience working in a 3-4 system uh, like the ones that the Bears, Bears use uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. And you said you, you don't think he has the uh, pass rush potential, but he did have five and a half sacks two years ago um, playing 16 games, 13 starts for the Chiefs. So he has shown a bit of pass rush potential, but like you pointed out uh, in the film work that I did, his value is going to be uh, on first and second down. And uh, we talked a lot about five technique and what does that actually mean? Well, it's it's a it just tells you where they're lining up. He's lining up in the five draft. That's why they call it that. But the uh, the task of a five technique is to two draft, and that is to be able to uh, eat up blockers and fill two lanes. Where it, uh, by comparison, a three technique is just going to shoot up the gap and fill one gap. A five technique needs to be able to hold his <clears throat> hold his ground at the point of attack. And I saw that a lot. With Jay Howard, it was uh, it was uh, kind of an eye-opening film session for me to be able to uh, get a look at what he brings to the table. And, and not only is he able to anchor, I mean, he he has this immense power to be able to anchor against that double team. He has great feel for when uh, th- that one offensive uh, offensive lineman starts to peel off for that linebacker. He feels that he fe- he feels it coming. And when as soon as that guy starts to take his, the pressure off of him, he either uh, drives into the the area he just vacated. Or he drives that blocker off of his uh, path so he can't get to the linebacker. And he, he, I saw that over and over. And either scenario, whether whether what he chose to do, either he was able to disrupt the play or the linebacker was free to disrupt the play. So <clears throat> that's what you look for in five techniques. Guys who can be... Uh, you know, stout at the point of attack and yet still be able to stack and shed and make plays. I saw a lot of that from Jay Howard, and I think Bears fans are really going to like it. Like you mentioned, the run defense was horrible. I mean, it's been horrible for for a couple of seasons now. So uh, get, getting a stout player in there who is comparable, in my opinion, to a team Hicks, that's huge. And, and, and he stays healthy. I agree. I mean, uh, you know, the Bears are going to have a decision to make next year on which player they're going to want to resign, but that's a good problem to have, and it's going to really, really uh, improve the defense. And if he does turn around, I mean, he, he uh, only played eight seasons last year. He ended up on IR, but uh, passed out his physical, so should be ready to go. If, he, if he's back to 2015 form and he can get, get you maybe five sacks, Akeem Hicks gets you five to seven sacks uh, like he did last season, 
that's a lot of pass rush. That's a lot of push that you're getting in the face of opposing quarterbacks. So not only are both guys very good as, as run defenders, but I think they, you know, neither one of them has really hit their ceiling as a, as a pass rusher. No, I definitely agree. Uh, I think it's definitely a good move overall. And like you said, it, it just it gives the Bears options. Uh, overall, you look at the, at least on paper, uh, they got one of the better front sevens in the league. Like I said, on paper, but it, I mean, if if uh, if Howard comes out and plays well, if, if Hicks plays like he did last year, and then you get more production out of Leonard Floyd if he's healthy and he makes that next step, that's going to be a very uh, very dangerous defense for a lot of quarterbacks, including Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and a, and a strong front seven will mask any deficiencies that the Bears will help mask any deficiencies they have in the secondary, uh, which I think you and I both agree are probably going to be necessary. So getting more bodies up front, I think, is a great move. Uh, for the Bears. The Bears also added another uh, front seven player in uh, Dan Scuda, the uh, former uh, Jacksonville Jaguars linebacker. He, I believe, an eight-year veteran. has played with the Bengals, the 49ers, and the Jaguars. And, uh, you know, another another depth move the way that I see it. I think you can't, you know, when you're talking about a, a, a situation in which uh, Danny Trevathan, may, we, we don't know what his uh, status is health-wise. There's a good chance he's gonna, that injury is going to linger into the regular season. So getting more bodies at the linebacker position, same way uh, with Howard, uh, it can't be a bad thing, especially heading into these off-season programs where you have time to, to try to flesh it out and feel if he's good enough for the team. No, I, I agree. And I think with, especially with Scooter, I think he's one of those guys that I think he's going to be more competing because, uh, I mean, he, he can't play inside linebacker. He can also play outside linebacker. I think he had five and a half sacks two years ago under Vic Fangio. Maybe, or sorry, three years ago. Uh, but I think that he's one of those guys that's probably going to compete for the kind of role that like a Sam Ocho or a, a Christian Jones would. I, I know a lot of people saw that signing as maybe uh, potentially you know pushing Lamar Houston out the door. And, yeah, he is making uh, – too much money to be a fourth outside linebacker but the bears have more than enough cap space and i think they value uh more depth with houston even though he's coming off the acl (coughs) sorry than they would uh anything else so i I think it's one of those i don't think he's any guaranteed you know any way guaranteed to make the team um but it's also one of those moves that quite frankly i think he brings a little bit more value uh than a guy like sam ocho and probably more value than somebody like a, a christian jones that could play outside linebacker as a pass rusher that's probably better suited, you know, inside. So I think this gives him a little bit of versatility. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point about the fact that he has, <clears throat> he did play under Vic Fangio for two seasons in in San Francisco. So uh, he understands the system. He understands what's expected of him, and and uh, you know he'll be able to hit the ground running when he uh, gets to uh, OTAs here in a couple of weeks. So uh, you, you can't. It, he's only 31 years old. I don't think you ever, you really want him out there starting 13 games this season, but. Uh, you have to think that he's going to be able to bring a lot to the locker room and a lot to, uh, you know, some of the younger linebackers on the team who, you know, maybe aren't as familiar with, with uh, Fangio's system. So uh, it doesn't hurt to have a guy like that in, in town. And obviously Fangio uh, signed off on it. So, uh, you know, you, you're trying to get a bow down to Fangio and say, hey, if he wants him in town, that's got to be a good thing. Uh, one guy that he's uh, not going to have to compete with, nor will Howard or any of the defensive players, is Will Sutton, who was waived today. <clears throat> along with Eddie Royal. And I think you and I, I mean, we talked about Eddie Royal for a while now. It was just a matter of time before he was going to be gone. But were you surprised at all that Will Sutton uh, got got the boot as well? You know, not really. Uh, when you look at what they got on the defensive line right now, I mean, especially with the Jay Howard signing, I think you've got, at least in my opinion, you've got your starting three figured out here. So you have Akeem Hicks, you have Eddie Goldman, and then you have Jay Howard. And then you also talk about... Uh, 
Jenkins, who they just, you know, that they signed earlier on in the offseason, who's strictly a nose tackle dude, what, 360 some odd pounds yeah, or whatever. Huge. Yeah. huge. yeah. And, then, and then you got Jonathan Bollard, who was a third round pick last year and is going to make the team. And then you have Mitch Unrein, and then you have uh, Roy Robertson Harris, who is projected to be a defensive lineman. Last time I checked, the guy was at like, I think it was 285, 290 pounds. Kind of projects more of uh, Cornelius yeah, he, Washington. He was more, he, last year when he was, the, the little amount of time that we got to see Roy Robertson Harris, he played outside linebacker. So I don't even think, I'm not sure he would even play into that interior uh, rotation at all. Well, the only reason I say that is because whoever he's training with uh, had logged him in something about it was like 285, 290 pounds, and they they were talking about bulking him up. So that's the only reason I think that they're trying to transition him to defensive line. <clears throat> okay. Uh, okay. But you know, either way, you look at it, and ultimately they've got and they've got C.J. Wilson too. So you look at it, and there's, I mean, you've got good competition between those reserve spots, and you've got at least one guaranteed spot with uh, with Bullard and Unrine and then and Jenkins in there. So. I don't really think there's – I mean, Sutton, he just is what he is, man. I mean, I, I hate to say it because I was actually pretty high on him coming out of uh, coming out of college, but he just – his his pass rush hasn't translated. And, I mean, he just – he's been very inconsistent. So it, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, I think they also save like $1.8 million, which isn't anything, by cutting him. Uh, but it's – it was kind of one of those. I had him as one of those guys that I wouldn't say a surprise cut, but it was one of those guys that would, you know, had a good chance of not making the team. I guess. Yeah, I agree, and I think that his career was has been an overall disappointment. We're talking about the two-time Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year uh, when he was at Arizona State, and was just a pass rush freak. And he played three seasons, was healthy for the most part for his first two years, and he still is yet to have his first sack as an NFL player. And I don't think anyone really expected that of him. I was very high on him. I thought the Bears had a steal when they were able to get him in the third round of the 2014 draft. I had him pegged as a second rounder, so I thought they they did a really good move in signing him. But he really just kind of turned into your, you know, a comparable player to Mitch Unrein. You know, not going to give you much uh, as a pass rusher. Can, can and he actually turned into a decent run run defender? But uh, you know, had, was typically dealt with a lot of injuries. You know, didn't miss a whole lot of time up until last season. Uh, but was typically banged up and wasn't an impact player. And uh, they don't, they, like you mentioned, they don't save a ton of money on it. Uh, but I, I think it was. It wasn't surprising to me, really. You know, I think it was time for for, for Sutton to find a new uh, home. A player that they did save a little bit of money on was uh, Eddie Royal. Did, it was five million, am I correct? Yeah, five million, no dead money. So that's a that's a nice little ad. Yeah. So you know, you get a little bit more money in there that might allow you to uh, go out and you know get a player early in the season when somebody has to go down. You know, you're going to have a little uh, bargaining power there. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think it, it, when the signing of uh, Kendall Wright, I think that, that pretty much signaled that Eddie Royal was out the door that, you know, he just couldn't stay healthy over the last couple of seasons. And it was really disappointing. He only played nine games each of the last two years. Uh, because when he was out there, I thought, you know, he his presence was, you could feel it and, you know, brought a little bit of that veteran uh, experience to the field. But, you know, it just, he was, he might, would you say that's probably the worst signing of, of Pace's short period and, Probably the most overplayed, overpaid player, uh, Sands Jay Cutler, over the last few years. Yeah, I'd definitely say so. I just, I, I think everybody had higher expectations. I mean, he was coming off what eight or nine hundred yard season, and it, and like you said, it wasn't that he was bad because when he was on the field, he was actually pretty good, and he was a he's a reliable guy. He was a big uh, third down target, but the problem is, is he was never on the field, and that was 
it, it just the, the 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 cut made absolute sense. It's something that I mean, it, he's what thirty one now, so it doesn't really it's not really going to hurt the Bears at all. But the one thing I do find interesting that was also reported by I think it was Kimberly Jones of the NFL Network. She said that the Bears actually have a meeting with uh, Victor Cruz on Monday. Now, that doesn't make any sense to me because here's the thing. Like, you have a guy, granted it's going to be cheaper, but you have a guy in Eddie Royal and Victor Cruz who are kind of the same type of player. I think, obviously, Victor Cruz was a better player in his prime, but this is somebody who's also struggled to stay healthy. He's more of a slot guy, more of a, I wouldn't say a speed guy, but more of a quick guy. And he's going to be 31 in the middle of the season. So, I that doesn't to me that doesn't really make sense i know a lot of people is oh let's add you know let them add a competition well okay that's fine but at least to me i would rather see a daniel braverman or you know some of these other guys get a shot and the other thing you look at with the slot you have marcus wheaton and you have kendall wright who are both projected to be slot receivers uh if it was me i would be looking more for an outside guy um but I don't know, just kind of a random little tidbit that I saw today that I thought was a little confusing. I mean, I wouldn't hate it because it's probably going to be, you know, league minimum, $1 million, one and a half. It's not a huge financial commitment. But to me, with the, with the, the I guess, the the area that they're in right now, the state that they're in is a, is a franchise and they're in the rebuild and all this stuff, I don't think a 31-year-old receiver out of his prime that can't stay healthy makes much sense. Well, I, I agree, and I, I don't think that, I think that it's it's unlikely that Cruz comes to Chicago, and even even if he does, like you mentioned earlier, that was you know it's just a it's a depth competition piece, uh, you know, a veteran who's been around the block a few times, and uh, you know was actually able to stay healthy last season, play 15 games for the Giants, 39 catches for 586 yards. So when he's been on the field, I mean, we're talking about a guy who five years ago had 82 catches for 1500 yards and nine TDs, the following year over over 1000 yards with 86 catches and 10 TDs. So we know there's you know at the, at the time there was a ton of potential. I don't see that potential anymore. Like you mentioned, he's 30 years old to be 31 by the end of the season, but. I think the, the the fact that they're even looking at Eddie Cruz, uh, on top of the fact that they signed, I believe, three wide receivers as UDFAs, which we'll talk about in a little bit, just kind of indicates that there is uh, probably a little bit of trepidation, a little bit of uh, uh, perceived instability at the wide receiver position. And I, I understand that completely, I think, with the loss of Alshon Jeffrey and the... Uh, um, unreliability of Kevin White and really not knowing what they have in Kevin White. I think they're just trying to cover, you know, the wide receiver position from every different angle, whether that's a veteran, whether that's a UDFA, uh, and, you know, also signing Kendall Wright and, like you mentioned, Marcus Wheaton. So I don't think it's a bad thing if they were to bring him in there. And uh, who who knows? You know, if Victor Cruz is healthy, he hasn't played a whole lot over the past uh, three seasons. You know, he, he sat a lot during that time. So, you know, if, if, if his leg can hold up, you never know. There's potential there. But uh, I, I do think that, that that it signals that the Bears are, are, are still concerned with the wide receiver position and aren't sure whether or not they, they have all the pieces in place to re- replace Alshon Jeffrey. So something to watch here as we move forward into rookie minicamp. Quick note, uh, uh, Tariq Cohen and uh, Jordan Morgan were signed today uh, by the Bears. Uh, the, the first uh, draft picks to get signed, and this is interesting because over the last few seasons, the the uh, rush to sign players that the Bears had before him mean, uh, under uh, the old regime, Cliff Stein had players signed like you know two hours after they were they were drafted. Almost it seemed like the Bears were always one of the first teams to get their draft picks uh, draft class signed. And now there's there's really no rush to it. And you know, at the time we're talking a little bit about it before the the podcast. Um, 
you know, you have to wonder why not, you know, why, why not get this over with and, and move on? Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't really, it, I mean, like you said, it's not a big deal, but at the same time, it's like, I expect it because it's been almost two weeks since the draft. I mean, uh, you know, round one would have been two weeks from tonight or two weeks back from tonight or whatever. So mm-hmm. it, whatever. I mean, it's not a huge deal, but it's still confusing. It's like I was expecting them to announce like you got five picks. I mean, I was announcing or expecting them to announce probably their undrafted free agent class, which they just now did. And we can get to that in a minute. Uh, but also, uh, you know, the, their draft picks. I mean, you've only got five guys. Uh, you traded up for Mitch Trubisky, so there better not be a Joey Bosa situation. You might as well, if you're going to give up what you gave up for him, you might as well give him whatever he wants at this point. Uh, but I think some of it, and I could be completely wrong here, but I think some of it's just kind of the game that Pace and Fox play. It seems like ever since Joey Lane took over as the contract negotiator, things don't get done quite as fast. And I think that happened, what, shortly after Ryan Pace took over. He brought his guy over from New Orleans. That's fine. But it just seems like a it seems like something they like to do. Cause I, and I've noticed that with free agent signings, too, because, you know, normally, like, you know, a, a mid-sized free agent signs and with a different team, and you got contract details within two or three hours. And then if, a, if the Bears sign somebody, like Kendall Wright, for example, I mean, it took, I think it was like four or five days before his contract information came out. It's just... It's either games or that's just how they do it. But I, I, as a fan, I don't particularly like it because I'm impatient. It's like, you know, part of the fun for me when I'm seeing these guys sign is how much are they making, or you know, with the with the draft picks. It's like I don't even want to think about, especially with a guy like Trubisky. I don't even want to think about him, you know, holding out. Granted, he's not going to. We we've already seen that he's there. But it, it's just something, especially in the state that they are in right now. It's like get your guys signed and move on. Well, and I, I think you bring up a good point about being a fan and expecting certain things from a three and thirteen team that chose to raise ticket prices this year. You know, if you're if you're a season ticket holder and this team doesn't give you the courtesy of giving you just simple information, uh, you know, you have a you have a, a legitimate gripe, and I understand that completely. And I I, I don't I think there's a, a level of secrecy that has uh, permeated this team ever since Ryan Pace and John Fox took over, and that. You know, as a, as a media person, uh, it, it makes our job a little harder. But I'm not think, I'm not saying that you should feel bad for the media. But as a fan, you would think that, I mean, and you just mentioned the Bears just now, as we're recording this, sent out their UDFA list. That draft, I mean, two weeks ago was a draft, and they just sent it out. I mean, it, did it take you it, it, two weeks to sign 13 guys? Like, I... You would think that if you're gonna if you're gonna hike up ticket prices for season ticket holders after a three and thirteen season, that maybe you could get out this a little bit earlier. I think it's a, I think if, to me, if I was a fan, I would take it as a level of disrespect. Again, not a huge deal, but you just kind of have to wonder what what takes them so long and why uh, why some of these things just get dragged out and you know they're they're just behind everybody else when it, to to get some of these things done. But um, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about a player who might who might have a few stories to tell about this regime and, and a few past regimes, and that's Jay Cutler, who uh, signed officially retired and will be an analyst for Fox Sports or uh, Fox Television, and um, his first game will be the third. Pre- correct me if I'm wrong. The third preseason game. Yep, dress rehearsal. I think it's Sunday too. Yeah, it's on Sunday, and uh, that will be the Bears game. So uh, no surprise that he's going to be out there uh, on the call for the Bears. Are you are you interested to hear what he has to say as an analyst? I am. I I actually, 
I'm not a I've never been a huge Jay Cutler guy. Not to say I don't like him, um, but I do think in maybe it's just because I, I have the I guess the kind of same kind of personality in a lot of ways in terms of the dry humor and stuff like that. Like he's very straightforward. And to me, like the fact that he's such a jerk sometimes is hilarious to me, and I love that. And I think, I think especially, and not to say that he's always that way, but I, I just think with the personality that he has, and I mean, he's an intelligent dude. I mean, you could probably speak to that more than I can. But even listening to him when he had the Jay Cutler show, I mean, this isn't some. I mean, he's not the same guy uh, as the media, especially the national media, has perceived him to be. I mean, he's grown up a lot. Uh, he's he's changed a lot. He, he has a family now. I think. I think it would be cool, and I think he will be good at it. With that being said, I'm not overly sold that he's done. I mean, he even himself on the the Waddle and Sylvie show, uh, great interview by the way. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to that or not, but uh-huh. that was very very good, very insightful. I mean, it went on for about 35, 40 minutes, uh, but he himself didn't sound overly sure that he was going to be done. I think it's really a fit with him right now, and I think a lot of people compare the, the that and the Colin Kaepernick situation, well, why aren't these guys signed? I think there's two different things going on. You have a guy like Jay Cutler, and I won't get into the Kaepernick thing, but the the, the Cutler thing, I think he, you have a guy who wants to play for a team that's going to win or that has a chance of winning, and I think that's really where it's at. Why would you sign with the Jets to go 2-14 and 14 or 3-13 and 13 again? I mean, that doesn't make any sense for him. So I think it, if he gets the right fit, then I, I could see him coming back, but ultimately right now, I mean, it is what it is, and I'm actually really excited to hear it. I, I think the three-man broadcast, I think, is a really good idea. And ultimately, I think he's going to be better than Romo if he if he keeps at it. Well, I think you bring up a couple of good points. And the first is that I, I, I agree in the fact that is if the right opportunity presents itself, he's going to consider it hard. Uh, I, I kind of look at him as the first man off the bench. I, I, if, you know, is the first team that loses their quarterback for the season – you know they're going to be calling up Jay Cutler, and that's going to continue throughout the year. You know, every year a couple big-name quarterbacks throw down, and and starting caliber backups just don't exist uh, in many places in the NFL. So, yeah, Jay Cutler has his faults, but he's the type of guy who could probably step on the field and, you know, at least let the offense continue uh, at, at a somewhat decent pace. And, you know, he, he's not good. He's, you know, he's a guy who's so used to picking up new playbooks I mean, he had to do it, what, seven or six out of his eight years or five out of his eight years in Chicago. So, uh, you know, he's going to be able to pick up any new playbook that he gets out there. So, you know, if the right, if the right team calls midseason, yeah, sure, I could see Jay Cutler out there. But I do think, and you bring up a really good point about uh, last couple of years <clears throat> and the way that his kind of attitude and, and uh, just general aura changed. Uh, when he, after he had had his kids and, get, and he got married, and uh, I'll tell a quick story. Back my first year in 2011, uh, my first uh, family night at Soldier Field, they lined up a bunch of kids after the practice, and every player was uh, designated to go to a certain line, and they just kind of just wandered over and pick a line, and they would sign uh, the autographs that these kids had. And Jay Cutler came to to his line and signed one autograph and walked away. And there was probably seven or eight kids that were just left crying. And uh, that Jay Cutler doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. I think if Jay Cutler now were in the same situation, he'd probably stand there and sign 30 autographs for the kids. I, you know, the, he, you know, his confrontations with the media ended. Uh, even when, when things were going horribly and he was just getting hammered, even by his own team, even by his own offensive coordinator who was talking about him, you know, Mark Trestman benching him late in the season for no reason. I mean, when he, he handled all of that with class and, 
you know, I don't think that would have happened earlier in Jay Cutler's career. I think that would have been a very confrontational time for him, and it would and it, he would have came out looking very bad. But he took the high road in every single situation, and that that to me showed a, a, a much more uh, mature person. So. I think in the booth, you know, I think a lot of people are, are expecting him to come out and tell some stories and, you know, because he holds some type of grudge against the organization. But I, I don't, I don't think the organization ever treated Jay Cutler poorly. I think the media in Chicago treated him poorly. And I think the fans uh, may justifiably treated him poorly. But, I, I, you know, I think some of the, like you mentioned, some of the stuff, especially in the national media, was overblown. And he was, you know, just kind of an easy target. And uh, it kind of got out of control toward the end of his career. And, it's not going to stop if he gets if he gets back out there, but uh, you know I, I think he's beyond that. I think he's he's taken so many hits that uh, he you know he's just bulletproof at this point, and I don't think he has an agenda. And I think that if he goes out there and he starts to talk about just football, you know Jay Cutler knows a lot about football. I remember you know you go back to Brian Urlacher, and uh, you know Brian Urlacher I don't think is is probably great at chess, and I don't think he's probably great uh, a talker on world events. You sit down and you talk about talk to Brian Urlacher about football. He's the most intelligent person you've ever talked to. It's amazing how he turns into just this uh, wealth of knowledge. And I think Jay Cutler is probably the same the same way. I've, I've never really had an opportunity to sit down with Jay Cutler, but I, I think when we get when he gets on uh, uh, under, behind the microphone, you're going to hear a lot of that. And I think he's going to bring a lot uh, to the conversation. I, I'm looking forward to it. I probably won't get to hear him a whole lot because I'll be working during the games, but. Uh, I, hopefully he'll be doing some other stuff during the bye weeks, so and I'll get an opportunity to listen to him. But I, I think it's a good thing, and if he and if he if he moves forward, uh, kind of like Brandon Marshall, I think he, he'll be great in, the, uh, in that role as soon as they're done. Anything else? We want to move on to rookie minicamp. Oh, let's do uh, rookie minicamp. By the way, I, I hope I really hope that Brandon Marshall, when he's done, I hope he doesn't go into the booth. Man, I can't stand talking that. I can't stand hearing him talk. <laughs> I, I don't care. know what it is about I, him, but no. I. I He's going in the booth, man. He's got a, he's got a long career in the booth. Brandon Marshall, Brandon Marshall is a well-spoken person. I think Brandon Marshall is a very intelligent person. And again, Brandon Marshall knows a lot about football, and he's already got his he's already got a taste of it. His foot's in the water, and I, I don't I don't think there's anything stopping. He loves having those cameras on him. You know, I don't oh, think there's I don't does. think there's anything stopping him from from continuing that down his career. Mini camp starting tomorrow. The first action. Since week 17 last year, football back. I'm really excited. I mean, you would think that coming off a 3-13 and season that there would be, you know, I'd just be dreading what's about to happen. But, I, you know, you and I talked about this last week. This is uh, an exciting draft class. How, you know, people will disagree with us, and there were some, some needs on defense that were ignored. But there's, I mean, I get to see Mitch Trubisky in a Bears uniform tomorrow. That's that's a, that's an exciting thing. I mean, this is the start of of a potential era in in Chicago history, and uh, I, you know, I don't. I expect him to play well. I wrote about it today. I expect him to play well. I think your first round pick should really really stand out. But uh, my my interest in Trubisky is more in the little things, and we all we've talked about it a lot in the fact that he hasn't didn't take any snaps at, at North Carolina under center. Everything was done in the pistol shotgun formation. And, uh, you know, how, how, you know, how big are the kid gloves going to be with, with Trubisky? Are they going to throw him out there and ask him to do a whole bunch of stuff this first weekend? You know, he's going to be playing against inferior talent. So he could probably handle doing a few more things than if he's going to go out there against the first team defense during OTAs. You know, are they going to throw a bunch of stuff at him and see what he can handle? Or are they going to, you know, they're going to baby him through this process? If you had to guess, what would you think they're going to do with him? 
I think if I had to guess, I think they're going to baby him. And I, I think at least in their mind, I think they think that's going to be the right situation because, I mean, yeah, this is a protected asset. This is a guy that you just spend a ton of ton of resources on, even if you take out the pick. I mean, a number two overall pick, that's a big resource to spend on. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be interesting. The one thing I will say, though, uh, there's actually two things. Uh, one... The, the quarterback coach actually had a, a, at North Carolina. I can't remember his name right now, but he had a he had a really good one on one through the Tribune. I, ca- I cannot remember which one of the Tribune guys it was that put it out. Yeah, but, but that was a good interview. I, I saw it, that too. It was, and and you look at it, and you and it's you would actually be <clears throat> for people who haven't read it, you'd actually be surprised how many things that he did that people don't give him credit for, and. At least to me, it sounds like, I mean, the Bears put him through a very rigorous workout. I mean, to the point of it was a 90-minute workout, and they basically coached him like he was already on the team and and were pretty rough with him. And, you know, obviously he did pretty well if they were willing to trade up and and do that. And the other thing I will say, too, that John Moon Mullen just put out an article not too long ago talking about Trubisky. The Bears actually took, and I didn't know this, took 63% of the snaps, offensive snaps last year were actually out of shotgun. And I don't know if that's overall snaps. I'm assuming that would probably just be, uh, you know, the the throwing snap or passing snaps. But either way, that's actually something that's uh, that's actually worth keeping in mind. I, I think it's going to be a developmental process. But just gut feeling says that he's going to come out uh, this weekend, and I think he's going to blow a lot of people away. Just how he's a talented dude. I, I you know I've been a big fan of him for a while. I think a lot of people are going to understand just how good he is in the coming months but i i really think that they're probably going to you know go a little easy on him do whatever they need to do but i think he's going to impress a lot of people and especially like you said inferior talent well that is an interesting point about the bears uh working on a shotgun 63 percent of the time and i'm sure if that's an overall measure which i, I i'd be surprised if that's an overall measure i, I would actually think that that's on passing downs or, or, or when they passed but either way you could you could easily move that up to seventy percent or seventy five whatever you had to do to accommodate a player who who, do, who doesn't have the experience under center. But I'm not going to uh, gloss over the challenge that's ahead of him in in working under center. You know, and I agree uh, the the his coach talked about the the stuff that the, the Trubisky was asked to do, and a lot of it was stuff that you're asked to do in, in a pro pro system. He just did it out of shotgun most of the time. But at the same time, being asked to do those things. While you're moving in a three-five or a seven-step drop is an entirely different ballpark. Uh, you know the movement part of that is 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 going to be a foreign thing for Trubisky and being able to make those reads. You know, not only have the per- perfect your technique in doing that, which is going to take some time. You not only have to perfect that because there's value in that, but you also have to learn how to read the field, go through your progressions, all while you're moving, doing something that you've never done before. You cannot overstate how difficult that's going to be for him. But if he is an elite quarterback, and if he is you know, a potential franchise guy who can lead, lead you to, to wins in the playoffs, then maybe he, he picks it up right away, and maybe we start to see a little bit of that uh, during uh, rookie minicamp this weekend. I, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Is he going to be, is he going to look as uh, awkward maybe on, on Friday as he will on Sunday? Is, is Sunday, he, are, is he going to already start to show development? Those are the type of little things that you look for, uh, especially at, at the quarterback position, which is so important and with the guy who's so inexperienced. I, I, I'm really excited to see what they're going to put him through and uh, the challenges that he's going to face this weekend. 
Uh, and, th- and that's going to continue throughout OTAs and, in, and into the veteran minicamp. But I, I, I think we're gonna, a lot is going to be revealed this weekend. I think we're going to know a lot more about Mitch Trubisky. Uh, even even playing against inferior competition, I, I know that he's probably going to look really good out there and a lot of people are going to uh, overblow it a little bit. I might do it myself. Who knows? Uh, but, you know... How he how he gets you know the little things how he gets better going uh, you know as we progress through this process particularly once he gets with the veterans I think that's going to be huge and I think uh, you know the, these practices are going to be very revealing and uh, we're going to have a much better feel for Trubisky soon soon yeah I definitely agree so would you like to move on to the uh, undrafted signings that have just been announced there's 13 of them uh, so that's a, that's two more than I had counted um, yeah. originally yeah let's let's so. do it. You can have it. Okay, well, um, let's just start off. I'm just going to go down the list as as the Bears sent it out. Um, so we got Joel Bowagnon. I, I don't even know how to say that. Uh, uh, out of uh, running, what'd you say? I, yeah, I was going to say Bowagnon, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, I don't know, either way. So out of uh, Northern Illinois, running back. Uh, and then you have Rashad Coward, uh, defensive lineman out of Old Domain. Now, I know Old there's Domain. been a... Old Dominion, sorry, Old Domain. That's embarrassing. Uh, but... I, there's been a lot of people that have actually talked pretty positively about him. I haven't really done much work on him. Uh, well, there's Kendrick. Hold on. Before we, before we, if I have something to say, I'll just hop in right here. With Howard, uh, he played nose tackle for Old Dominion, 6'3", I want to say 310 pounds. So has the size and uh, kind of that stout ability in the interior. If he can move it all, I, I haven't watched any film on him, but if he can move it all, I think he's the type of guy who might have a little potential, particularly as a, as a depth rotational piece. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And then a linebacker out of Minnesota by the name of Hendrick Ekpe. Uh, never <laughs> never heard of him. This is one of my uh, more favorite signings here, and this would be uh, Tanner Gentry, the wide receiver out of Wyoming. This guy, there's been a lot of hype, man, a lot of hype, uh, post-draft hype going in next year about Josh Allen out of Wyoming, the quarterback, and everybody's kind of deeming him as the top guy. A big reason why he was as good as he was last year was because of Gentry. He's a guy that... He's not overly fast. Uh, he's not crazy physical, but he does a lot of good things. I think he's somebody who could easily slide into that fourth, fifth receiver spot. Um, I don't know how much how much work you've done on him, uh, Jeremy, but he's he's pretty impressive. Yeah, and I think he's got potential as a possession receiver. And uh, like just because you mentioned, he's he's not an, an extreme athlete, but like we talked about earlier, the, the, there's so much uncertainty with the wide receiver position. If anyone in this group stands out, there's a, they have a very, very good chance of earning a roster spot. So I, th- I see Gentry Moore as a boundary player. I don't think he's, uh, I think he's 6'1". Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 6'1 or 6'0". I, I think he's more of a boundary guy, not going to fill a slot role. But uh, yeah, if, if he stands out, or there's a couple more wide receivers they signed, who I, one of them I really like. But if I, any of those guys stand out, there's, they have a great shot at making the roster this year. No doubt, especially. I mean, we just talked about receiver depth not too long ago. I think there's, I think there's at least one or two positions open. I, I you know, I know everybody's fan favorite is uh, Daniel Braverman right now, but I don't think he's locked <laughs> into a spot. So, then another interesting one: the Bears actually have trying to draw a trend this uh, this off season of converting uh, basketball players into tight ends. This one is Franco House out of Ball State. Uh, that's a I don't know how that's going to go. We'll have to see. And then Isaiah Irving. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me, let me uh, jump in here with Franco House. He was a forward for the basketball team at Ball State, and my my issue is that you know that's a roster spot that could be going to get uh, to somebody who's played some football. He hasn't played any football uh, since his high school days, and it, 
it, because he plays tight end, it brings back memories of Fendi Onoban. Remember him? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you, I think what <laughs> basically what I, what I will be looking for with Franco House is can he catch the stinking ball? Because that was what Onoban could not do. Onoban was a very talented guy, big dude. I mean, he he could move. And I expect Franco House to show something as well. I mean, he's probably extremely athletic if he was a basketball player and can probably jump out of the building. But can he catch the stinking ball? Uh, that will that will be what I'll be focusing on. Well, and the other guy, and I cannot remember his name right now. I thought I had it on my list. The uh, the guy out of Kansas State that they they're they're bringing him in for tryout. He's not an actual undrafted free agent, but he's another guy. He was a, he's a converted basketball player. I think the guy's like six nine. I can't remember his name right now, but. Yeah, it's kind of. I mean, ultimately, it doesn't really much matter at this point because you've got three starting caliber tight ends already on the roster. We'll see what happens with Zach Miller, but they're definitely taking. It seems like this Jimmy Graham type mold. Uh, but yeah, the first thing I always think when I see these guys, like, oh, not another Fendi. I can't, <laughs> can't do it. So uh, okay, so we got uh, Isaiah Irving, uh, linebacker out of San Jose State. Um, not really overly familiar with him. Are you at all, Jeremy? No, 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 no. I, I think with any of the, there's three linebackers that the Bears have signed, and I don't know a whole lot about any of them. But I think when you when you're looking at these guys, have they ever played special teams? I think that has to be the focus uh, when when we start doing our research here. Uh, now that these uh, these guys are official. No doubt, and then there was uh, another highly spoken of, and I'm I'm hoping I'm saying it, and it just kind of clicked in my head. Uh, Diego Joseph, that's his his name looks like Dugat yeah. Joseph uh, out of Florida International, offensive lineman, big dude, uh, and I'm not overly familiar with him. I didn't, you know, I man, I had like 300 guys I evaluated, but some of these uh, these undrafted free agents, I'm looking at, I'm like, who who are these guys? So, well, and the Bears keep grabbing them from from a lot of these small schools, so you know they're just trying to. You know, hidden guys that you, you wouldn't, you don't see on the main stage. Yeah, exactly. And then you got Mitch Kirsch uh, is another guy, another offensive lineman out of James Madison. Also, don't have any idea about him, uh, so I'm not overly sure about him. And then you have Andy Phillips. This is probably my favorite undrafted signing. Everybody's like a kicker, really. Kicker out of Utah, Andy Phillips. This guy, fun story. Fun story. The dude was a, uh, he was actually a U.S. skier for four years. Then went on a uh, mission, uh, I, I can't even remember, it was somewhere in the United States, and he was on a mission for two years, and he walked on as a freshman at 23 years old to Utah, became the kicker. He made 83 out of 100 kicks. I think he had a long of 53. Uh, dude is actually really entertaining. Anytime he makes a field goal, anything like that, he's he's just he's, he's fun to watch. He's not uh, like Grammatica over dramatic uh, by any means, but he's... It seems like he just has a lot of fun out there. Um, I actually had a chance to talk to him quite a few times. He seems like a really cool dude. Kind of a fun story. He's going to be 28 when the year starts, uh, but I think he's going to give uh, he's going to give Connor Barth a run for his money. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, you know, he had a lot of success uh, during his collegiate career. And Connor Barth is no uh, guarantee. And I, I like the fact that they brought in kicker competition. You and I wanted them to uh, to sign Zane Gonzalez in the in the fifth round, fifth sixth round. So uh, you know. I'm all for it. Get some, that's what the Bears didn't do last year. They didn't bring kicker competition in with Robbie Gold, and it ended up they had to make a panic move to get Connor Barth in there uh, after final cuts. So uh, they're not they're not going that route. They're going to bring somebody in here, and you know we'll see what the kick can do. And then Alex Searcy, Searcy out of uh, linebacker out of Coastal Carolina. That that rounds out the three linebackers that I've <laughs> never heard of in my life. So that's always fun. Another one that people have been. 
somewhat excited about. Uh, I'm a Big 12 guy. I got to watch uh, is Seals, at a wide receiver out of uh, Oklahoma State. Kind of a boundary guy, kind of like uh, Tanner Gentry. Um, wasn't uh, hugely used, I guess you could say, at Oklahoma State. <clears throat> Has some pretty impressive stuff. I mean, he's definitely a, a possession guy. Um, very physical. I think he's only 6'1", 6'2", but he's very physical for his size. I don't know if you've had a uh, had a chance to really check him out or not, but he's actually pretty fun to watch. Yeah, he's you know he's one of those like like you said Gentry. He's another boundary guy. Uh, the third guy would be Levanto Whitfield, and what's his what's his nickname again? Kermit. Kermit, that's right. Five uh, eight dude, uh, more of a slot receiver. Very good after the catch. Really uh, one of the guys I'm really excited to see uh, and see if he can give Kendall Wright a, a run for his money there in, in the slot. And finally, Freddie Stevenson, also a teammate of, of Whitfield's out of Florida State, the only fullback on the roster now that they cut. Uh, Paul Lasiki, who was part of those Will Sutton and Eddie Royal cuts. Anything else you want to say? We're running running short on time here. I think we're good, man. I, I think we're all going to be waiting uh, very patiently, and by very patiently, I mean not patient at all on uh, all your uh, all your mini camp adventures for the weekend. Uh, hopefully, you got some good stuff, and hopefully, some positive stuff. Yeah, I'll be uh, front row seat for. All three practices this weekend, uh, about hour and a half practices on Friday and Saturday, and then the one practice on Mother's Day on Sunday that's about an hour. We'll get out of there pretty early. But we'll, I'll walk away from those three days knowing a whole lot more about these rookies and about these undrafted free agents, who has potential, who shouldn't have been out there. I'm sure the Bears will sign maybe one or two uh, of the champ invites if anybody really shines and uh, that we'll be able to talk about them in the next podcast. But, you know, this is our first opportunity to see these guys in pads. I'm really excited. They actually won't be in pads. They'll be in uh, jerseys and shorts. But our first opportunity to see these guys out there uh, moving around and find out what the Bears have in this rookie class. That's it, guys. Thanks for listening to this one. I'll come back next week with all my observations from these these next three days. We'll discuss it in detail, and and I'll, I'll let you guys know what I think of this rookie class. Be sure to follow Aaron on Twitter, at Aaron Lemming. NFL. Give, give me a follow on Twitter at Bear Report. Check out all of our work at BearReport.com as well as our Bear Report Facebook page. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and uh, come to our BearReport.com message boards that talk to us every day. Uh, Bear, big weekend, guys. Bears get back to work. Really excited about it. Hope you guys are too. We'll be back next week. And talk about it. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.